Church Boys. Recorded a little fanfare there for our show. What in the world was that? <laughs> it sounded like your flatulence. I just thought I'd... <laughs> did my, you have chili tonight? I did not. I just thought I'd <laughs> mix it up a little bit. I thought that'd be fun. That's the post-vacation, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, post-vacation. Yes, we were gone last We didn't record last week because... The Someone had to go to Florida. Producer of the a, show. For a super spreader event. <laughs> it couldn't have been super spreader because everybody was freaking masked at Disney World and oh, Universal Disney. Studios. So you went to Universal, right? <clears throat> I did, Lucas yes. Was, okay, and did you did you guys make your way over to Disney while you were down we there? We did uh, just Disney Springs, which they required oh, okay, the El yeah, Mascos yeah, yeah. there as well. Yeah, when so you were we'd... walking around, Chris, though, like were people coming up to you asking how Shamu had escaped SeaWorld and made her <laughs> way just, over they to kept, They kept coming up with me with glasses of water and splashing me. You look like <laughs> you're all dried out. Worried. <laughs> Get him back <laughs> in the pool. <laughs> what's he doing? Yeah, what's he oh doing? Oh my gosh. Get her back in. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it was it was something. Did, you know? I think I asked hmm? you this in a text, but did, did you make it to the Jason Bourne? I did. At, it was uh, pretty amazing. Now pretty cool. I thought I thought some of the, you know, of course, it's it's a little stage show for what, 15, 20 minutes. So the acting yeah. wasn't great. And you, I, I have to remember, oh, yeah. it's a stage. It's not supposed to be oh, great acting. You got Siskel and Ebert the, over here. But the technology and the way they, they made the real props work with that backdrop screen. Oh, yes. my goodness. That was that, that was that amazing. Was rad. That that was did rad. you see Trump in the Hall of Presidents? Is he still there? Uh, the Hall of Presidents like, the Hillary was, Trump? The Hillary I think Trump Hall of Presidents statue. was closed. And, and I was told that he wasn't up there. Like, it was that they had he had been removed like they're redoing things because there's a new president and <laughs> they so are redoing things yeah. well remember, remember, there was, remember when they there. made the hillary statue and just turned it into trump <laughs> like, it was very clear that they... <laughs> well they so there are different wax museums around the world right that have wax figures of donald trump and we had a story about this at the blaze of a few weeks ago that the, the one one wax museum i don't remember where it was somewhere in the u.s they had to pull it. it somewhere in Texas. They had to pull it because people kept punching it, like it was on display. I did see that story. Like people kept punching it, so they moved it to the to the entryway, so it would be by the the registration desk. So it's like, well, there's going to be someone here watching, so they'll, they'll deter people from doing. Nope, they had to remove it because people kept punching it in the face. It's you like, guys are triggering this memory oh, for me. I, so do you guys know I worked in a museum? No. No, please so tell. When, <laughs> oh my did when you I, really you know this no about, i've I, never heard right. this when i was 12 years old my mom worked next door to a museum the <laughs> I rochester love it already museum. well i won't say which museum it is um, the rochester museum you just said rochester no, it, was museum. A, it was a great place i have no reason not to say but i just don't want to embarrass them that that i worked there <laughs> this um, goon but it was the rochester Rock. museum and science center there was a planetarium and museum so when i was 12 i volunteered there for a summer <laughs> you, a couple days you a volunteered week. to be one of the planets well, <laughs> I volunteered to be there a couple days a week. And my mom, you know, she worked next door. So it was good. It was like free babysitting for her, making sure. sure I was okay. And then I got a job there when I was 14. And I worked there until I was like 28 years old. I mean, I worked there. Well, not 28. <laughs> I worked year. there until I was until I was about probably about 23. You just got off the and clock. So like, I went through college. Well, recording and every time I'd go home, I'd work. And I became like a supervisor at the museum. But there was a wax exhibit on the third floor <laughs> and one of the figures was like it was like set in the 1800s was a man a dentist pulling a man's tooth out and his arms are out it's just this terrible and these donald trump wax figures are just reminding that me of this hilarious. horrific and I, I don't know that's a very pointless I story but yes like i worked you in the museum would be afraid of the wax exactly figures at oh night. i was totally freaked i slept in the museum numerous times we used to like host events at night 
sleepovers like boy scouts and stuff would come and they would do sleepovers and i'd have to help run the program and so i would be totally freaked out walking past those exhibits you, he does you're I, lucas you beat me to it i would have assumed that he would have been scared to death of wax figures yeah you would have been scared to death of these wax figures too they were terrifying they weren't they weren't madame tussauds level no, but like the guy is clearly <laughs> suffering. His tooth is being ripped out. Like, and I and now that I look back, I'm like, why did the museum have this? Like, families are walking through. Was yes, it like we a torture, get it. it torture museum. There was a what? when we went to Italy. There is a torture museum. One or two, a oh, couple wow. of them. You can go to these tours. And these yeah, your wife museums. is married to it. Um, <laughs> so, um, so you like li- you were like Ben Stiller's character. That's like based upon a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But it was, listen, it was an experience. And I went to, it was great. I went to acting school. They paid for me to go to acting school. And at one point I was paid to like act in plays on the weekend. You should, you should join SAG. That launched his career. Launched his amazing movie career. I went to acting school. He throws out there. Speaking of. I I did. And I also got to, listen, it was a great job. It was one of the best jobs you could imagine, you know, and it was all teenagers working in this place. So as you could imagine, it was. Okay. So while we're on disaster, what's your, what's your best, uh, what's your best job from when you were younger? You got a good one? Uh, no, because, well, so here's my, my job consisted of bucking <laughs> bales tester. for farmers, but I live in a small farming town. So what do you do? You work on farms and work in construction. And then in the summer times, <laughs> ever college, milked a goat? he was often milked. <laughs> <laughs> I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Um, he was a, but uh, then in college, I worked at a camp with a campground. I, I grew up going to church campground to really nice lake retreat. I was grounds and maintenance and the, and the lifeguard up there. And that was that was fun. But the most interesting job I probably had growing up, you know, in college one summer that I didn't work at the campground, I worked at a place that, that had a it was these old grain. They were like grain bins, but they weren't. They were more like grain cribs. And it was a it was a building about 50, 60 feet high. And it was all two by twelves stacked like this walls making walls of this enormous structure and our job was to tear out all the lumber because they were selling the lumber and the guy was getting just making a fortune we got paid cash under the table and uh but there was of course no osha rules or anything so we're walking along we would just walk along the tops of these walls to to tear the boards off you know 50 60 feet up in the air just wandering around you know (laughs) it's amazing they were able to hold you i know but it was it would help. Lucas, it held what about you? What was your job? I can't even imagine. I got a couple. So my first job was working at a golf course. Uh, did that for a couple of years. It was in, it was in the neighborhood I grew of up in. So I used to rollerblade down to the golf course. <laughs> See, this stereo exactly what I would expect. Um, but then I got a job at there's this place called Lunkers, which was kind of like a Bass Pro Shop before Bass Pro Shop was like really a thing, and. Uh, it was this giant hunting and fishing store and they had a big bait shop. And so I would, I like ran the bait shop uh, as a you know high school kid or whatever. And then they had a 10,000 gallon aquarium with, <laughs> with, Chris gi- in it. with giant catfish. And I used to hand feed them like worms. They were like tame. And then they had probably about a six or seven foot alligator that I had to like clean the the tank out and like feed it and it like never moved and so everybody always thought it was stuffed and so like there was this one time where i was in there and uh i got the they have like these one size fits all like giant like fireman boots that you like wear in there you know over your shoes and so i'm in there so you can't like move very well and i got like this broomstick and i'm picking up you know alligator turds and tossing them in this bucket and uh this little punk kid he goes 
that thing's not even real. And I go, yeah, it is. Like, it's an alligator. You know, I'm, and I'm like, I'm like 16, you know, it's 17 maybe. And I go, yeah, it's, it's an alligator. He's like, it's not real. It's stuffed. He goes, it never moves whenever I'm in here. I go, I promise you it's real. He goes, prove it. And so I take my stick and I poke the alligator and it chases me out the thing and I have to flip over the glass in the front. Why would you poke it with the I stick? Was, because he's an idiot. Because <laughs> he's an idiot. <laughs> I so that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I delivered flowers for a while in college. Of I went course, to the flower shop. About right. And uh, the only two places <laughs> I went was evolving. <laughs> I, I went to sororities and funeral homes. That was the only two places I went. The only two places you were welcome. <laughs> I mean, has anybody? I was a bus boy. Was he got, here's a crazy oh, thing. I, did. I, I Lucas waited got, tables for Lucas sure. got more dates at the funeral homes than he did the sororities. <laughs> I just can't believe you poked the alligator and thought that that was going to go well. I used to poke the bodies, too, to make sure they were Oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. Well, I will tell you that I worked at a pizza shop for 14, 13 days once. You made it almost two weeks. That's. I quit. I quit because that was not. I was not. You kept eating. In you got sort of fired because you kept eating the product. <laughs> I, not, I quit. I quit, and they did, and and then I was yeah. And then I was a busboy for a while. I I, did, I worked two jobs just because I was like I'm going to save some extra money. Uh, but being a busboy that was interesting because it was again manual labor, and I just wasn't that interested. But I did it for a long. Time. <laughs> I'll be darned. I did it for a long time. I had another good one. I uh, I I worked at a car wash. Well, it's a, it was a car dealership that had a car wash for one day. It was my job to get the cars, drive them through the car wash. And I went in and I forgot to roll the windows up in one, <laughs> in one of them. And I never came back. Did they fire? Did they flip no, out on you? No, I just You just left. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I, I know. Wow. Well, you guys, you guys who, knew Michael Michael Jr. is, right? The, the, the comedian Michael Jr. Yeah, he's yeah. got a he new has, book out. He's got a riff about, he says, I think, I think I'm pretty sure it's Michael Jr. about he was, he had a job he hated and his he was going to quit. And his dad said, you got to give, you got to give your boss two weeks notice. So he said, I went into my boss and said, Hey boss, in about two weeks, you're going to notice I ain't been here in about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh. it's time for you, Chris, yes. to start the show. Do you have a new start to the show? Do uh, I need to be prepared? No, for that no, too? nothing, nothing new no to trumpets? start the show. You know, no, <laughs> I don't have any trumpets. I could play the. I, I did isolate just the bugle. Where do you have all these Ladies sounds? Are they on like a soundboard? Gentlemen. <laughs> Hello! From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. Billy Hollowell. Hey, does this suit make me look fat? It's not what he said, you ignorant rich. Chris Field. Bad guy in little gold. Let me tell you why I suck. Lucas Miles. I want you to forget what you saw here today. Aw, I've interrupted happy time. The Church Boys. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I hate these guys. So we've got a guest coming, right? Is he here yet? No, he's okay. not here yet, but Jason Sautel. Okay. And I'm going to do the intro now because I'm, I'm excited about this guest. He has a new book out called The Rescuer, and it's a recent book. And he's a firefighter, um, and this is a guy. He was a firefighter. He's retired now. 
who's seen crazy things. He worked in Compton and just crazy story, but he's also somebody who uh, became a Christian in this crazy process of being a firefighter. And yeah, I think we don't often talk about the things that first responders go through. Like, I feel like we take it for granted kind of. And so hearing from people and that's what his book is about um, all the crazy stories. And he's got a podcast on Edify. We're part of the Edify podcast network too. And his podcast is um, called Jesus is all we need. And so he's got some great stories. Is it just, there is too, it just him? It's just him. Yep. Right. Yeah. Are you looking for another replacement for me? Is that why you're No, you're no. To I was it? just curious. I was just filling the air with questions because he's not here yet and you did an intro for so him. So I'm I, I will I, say I will <laughs> say that I was at a I went to an event tonight. It was actually uh, um a little political networking thing this evening. Oh no. Oh, and uh while I was there, uh a buddy of mine named I'll give him a shout out here, David Lincoln, um, he was talking about the show. And he's been listening to the Church Boys on this a regular show? basis. This show, oh, poor, this show, poor David. I have. I assume that all of our listeners were only in Brazil, but apparently we have Mexico at least now too. One Did you see that today? This South afternoon, South. Mexico popped for us. <clears throat> for oh some yes. Yeah. So yeah. So David's been enjoying the show. So he was he was talking it up. So we, good. we had a good time. Well, that's great. You're gonna be deordained or whatever they call it. How do you know this? How do you know this David person? Is he is he is he a savory character? he's he's a good guy so okay. he um you know i've known him for a couple i don't know probably going on two years right. i would guess so he's a local uh kind of business guy entrepreneur um and uh, his wife works uh in in news media and so we've connected a few oh. times and some social events and stuff and hung out and uh yeah he's a friend gotcha so i was gonna yeah. you reminded me of the with the crocodile thing there's i I don't know if you've ever been, so there's a, there are two. It was an, it was an alligator, Chris. It was an alligator. In fact, the alligator thing pertains to me because it was an alligator incident. So there are two um, aquariums in the Washington, D.C. area that are known, right? There's the one in Baltimore that is amazing. If you've ever been to it, it is the best yeah. aquarium I've ever been to or ever swam in. I agree. I've or ever there. swam in because Billy was going to add that. I decided to beat him to it. <laughs> the other is the aquarium that is in in the basement, I believe, of the Commerce Building in Washington, D.C. on around 14th Street, and it is lousy. It is the worst thing. I don't even know why it even exists, right? Anyway, so I walk in there. It's dark and dank, and the, the glass is all cloudy on these different things, but there is there is an alligator tank, and they've got these little, they've got these little alligators in there that are probably about five feet long. And they're just kind of laying there on top of each other. And it's a, it's a narrow tank. It's wide. You know, it's probably 10 foot wide, but only about five feet deep. So there's these couple alligators just laying there. And there is a little bench right in front of them. It's a cement bench. And there's this little two or three-year-old kid sitting there right in front of this window. And I'm watching these alligators. And they, they see this little kid. And you see this thing creep toward this kid. And it goes... And reaches out to to bite him and smacks its head so hard right on the glass. The little kid jumps and starts crying. This alligator's shaking his head. It was spectacular. But anyway, I hope that was the same kid who told me. Oh, I hope that so too. that the uh, that, that alligator wasn't real. Uh, I should mention my buddy David that I just he is actually a, a distant relative. His last name's Lincoln of, of Abraham Abe. Lincoln. Obviously. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, really. It, it, that's what he told me. I'm I'm assuming he's a complete liar. Yes. But he's at right. least claiming it. Right. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah, it's cool. So as we wait, I want to talk about something as okay. we wait Go for ahead. Jason, who will be here soon. Um, I wanna I wanna talk about this whole pack in the court thing. We 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 oh, just yes. we have to unpack this a little bit because the fact that it seems to me 
that the Democrats are on some sort of bizarre quest to reelect Donald Trump in 2024. It's and I, I cannot figure out. It's not. I think. Yes. Not, nobody. And the best part about this is so there's a bill. The Democrats have brought this bill forward and Nancy Pelosi refused to bring it to the floor. Yeah. And of course, she's like, I don't know where I stand on this, but this commission is going to be wonderful that Biden is. But basically, she knows that this is not a good idea, especially to do it the way they're trying to do it. So what do you guys make of this disaster? Well, I love I love this was one of the number one issues during the campaign, right? Because the 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 Biden campaign refused to answer whether or not they would pack the courts. And then the left decided they were going to change the terminology of what pack the courts means, right? Because Trump had now nominated yep. another conservative to replace Amy Coney, Amy Coney Barrett and, and had her in the say, look, he's packing the courts. Now you just, they, they purposefully changed the terms, right? They're just, just like they're changing the terms of everything else. They changed the meaning of the word, right? Changed the word meaning of infrastructure, changed the meaning of male or female or boy or girl. And they changed the name, the, the meaning of the word, what the term packing the courts is. And packing the courts is not continuing to nominate conservatives when an opening happens, packing the courts is creating a whole bunch of new um, openings via legislation and then filling or packing those openings with new nominees that match your party. That is what court packing is. So yeah, the, these, I don't know, there's a dozen or so <laughs> Democrat nimrods out there today in front of the Supreme Court having this big presser introducing their bill. And while they're give, introducing the bill, Nancy Pelosi's doing a, a press conference of her own and saying, yeah, I'm not going to be bringing this bill up to the floor. I'm for a commission. I think we should look at it, but I'm, I, she didn't support the legislation. It was fabulous. I mean, I've never seen a faster burial of a piece of legislation. But it hasn't happened since 1869 that the court had a different number of justices. So they're at, this is not, not a normal thing. It, and that's like Civil War era, practically. Yeah. Right. So you're talking about Chris, you were what, that long, six, six or seven. Six. He was about he was about 13 at that point. <laughs> um, so but so this is not something that's normal or that happens frequently. Right. right? And so. I, I guess I can understand the Merrick Garland thing being frustrated by that. It was obnoxious. It was. It's not the same as packing the court, but no. it was obnoxious. It was and, within, but it was. He, but it was within the rules. Sure, yeah, it was within exactly. the rules. It's annoying. Now, unfortunately, court packing could also be within the rules. Yeah, I mean, you, you pass legislation to do it. Right. 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 So it's annoying. I hope it doesn't happen. I do think if they do this. A, it's going to ignite. I mean, I think there are people who were disgusted after the Capitol riot who said they would never vote for Donald Trump again, who would be, you know, galloping off to the polls to right. vote for him if they exactly. if they continue to do these sorts of things. Yep. Because it's just I, when do the at some point both sides have to say, OK, if we keep bending rules and doing crazy things, it's going to be pandemonium. And this will ignite pandemonium. Everyone will be doing weird stuff. They'll be acting like Lucas. Yeah, you know, you'd think, you'd think. Yeah, I mean, I've been following kind of just the where this issue goes. Uh, you know, being here from South Bend, you know, our my my favorite guy, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who's now the Transportation Secretary. You know, that was something that he was he was a proponent of yeah. when he was running yeah. for president, and and really, you know, kind of talking that up. So, there, I mean, there's certainly those that are that are in government that are yeah. you know and that are really pushing this down. I'm glad to see, you know, that there's at least some of the we'll call it older. Uh, you know, more establishment Democrats that are going, ah, that might yeah. not be a good well, idea. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi, <clears throat> Nancy Pelosi, as much as I love to rip on her, and I do like, to, I, I, there are times that I think she has a room temperature IQ. I mean, you hear her say things like this. But to be clear, you're not taking any arrows out of your quiver. You're not ruling anything out. 
good morning. Sunday morning. <laughs> I forgot about the, that uh, one. <laughs> so there are, th- there are things like that that make you go, okay, she's a dim bulb. And I think that there are times, but she's not stupid And when it comes politically, right? She knows what she's doing, and she knows this would bury them in the next election. Absolutely bury them. So our poor guest has been listening to this, and we just actually made him listen to Nancy. Oh, do I need to play? <laughs> I love that clip. Do I need to play the fan? It. Do I need to play the fanfare to bring him in? You I think so. Okay. I think ahead, that everybody deserves. Okay, so that. announce play his name, fan. and then I'll play the fanfare. All right. So, well, I already did announce, but I'm going to announce again. It's Jason Sautel, and he is the author. Before we bring him on here, I want to say, oh. Did I time that I wrong? I wasn't you ready for it. You did time that wrong. I was not ready. Can we try that again? Let's try it again. Let's try it again. We need to work on our timing. Title. My goodness, what is wrong with you, people? Point to, point to me when you're ready. Can I? I'll point to you. Okay. So the the book title is "The Rescuer: One Firefighter's Story of Courage, Darkness, and the Relentless Love That Saved Him." Now you may play it. Go ahead. You, okay. Point there. And he's going. What and in the world Jason's am I like, doing why here? Did I why am I here? <laughs> wow. That sounded like a bad start to a horse race. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. That is. That is. It's well, about thank what you you're for looking joining at joining right us now. tonight. Thank you for coming on. So th- I gave poor Jason. I gave no I gave no sort of background. <laughs> you didn't warn him about he's this? Thinking, he's thinking I'm going on a reputable show and he ends up on the on this show. Oh, but no, we man. actually we do. Uh, we have a lot of fun here. We talk about we make fun of Chris a lot and um, and Lucas and me. I guess we all make fun of each other a lot. And we do a lot of serious things and in the mix. You heard us talk about court packing, and then Chris played that music. Um, but Jason, thank you for coming on. We wanna we wanna talk through your story, your book, and the one thing I wanna I wanna just go back to the subtitle of your book: "One Firefighter's Story of Courage, Darkness, and the Relentless Love That Saved Him." So I got I've got to ask you. Well, first of all, why why did you write the book? Take us through that. Let's start there. Oh, well, first off, I didn't want to write a book. Being a high school dropout and a fireman since the age of 18, I'm the least qualified guy to ever write a book. So why did I write it? Long story short, I was doing a lot of events like men's retreats, speaking at church, and they're like, bro, you got to put your whole testimony together in one place so people can read it all together. And that's how it came out, you know, which was kind of hard for a guy with ADHD, ADD, whatever the heck you call it and stuff. But I was able to get it done and Thomas Nelson put it together and now we have it. So... Your your story, obviously, you became a firefighter, but you there's a lot and that requires bravery. All the things that are in the subtitle of your book. What leading up to that? What was your upbringing life? What was your your like your life before that? Like, take us through that. Right. Well, first off, the subtitle that was put together by the uh, uh, publishers because I wanted to put, you know, stupidity, lameness, least qualified. But they, they said that wouldn't sell very well. So uh, we had to put the word courage and all these other silly terms in it. And uh, they, they love to throw the term hero around, which I'm not a big fan of. But growing up, I didn't grow up as the average, I think, firefighter might have of like, oh, I'm going to grow up and be a fireman. I grew up in a home with a Vietnam veteran dad. And, you know, I had to deal with all the demons of his past. My mom left us when we were seven, when I was seven years old, because she didn't want to live under the system abuse that we we're under. So she cut out and then I was left to stay with him the remainder of my childhood, which, you know, long story short, just pretty much sucked. And at the age of 16, I dropped out of high school, kind of ran amok and people were like, okay, dude, where's the background part of how you have this good foundation to become a firefighter? 
And it just happened that we were at a uh, big fire and I worked for a place where we would support the firefighters and it was the California Conservation Corps. So we'd take care of fire camp and all that good stuff. And I asked a firefighter, I'm like, bro, and, and we we're feeding him dinner. I said, how do you become a firefighter? He's all, well, first thing you need to do is uh, just show up with your high school diploma. Like, okay, that's out, <laughs> you know, but um, I ended up starting off with the California Department of Forestry out here in California and then realized that city firefighters made a few more bucks and uh, did a little bit more of the job. So I uh, then applied for the city of Oakland, California and took the job there. Are you still in Oakland? No, I'm no longer there. I uh, ended up injuring my back and my hip five years ago. I broke them in a fire. So I wish I had some heroic story for you, but it was a pretty stupid story. And I'm not there anymore. So I live in the foothills outside of Sacramento, mm. just below uh, Lake Tahoe. Yeah, all right. Wow. So there's a lot of elements of your story. You just gave us a great sort of background of how you got you got into it. What what is and this is going to sound like a silly question, but I I feel like and we were just talking about this before you came on that we sometimes take for granted what first responders go through. Right. And it's like, yeah, we know firefighters deal with difficult things. They run into fires. They're dealing with life or death. But I think it's very easy for people not in that world to just kind of move through it, not not really think about it. What what is the life of a firefighter like? Like, take us through that the day to day. It's basically like what you guys are sitting doing right now. We sat around the firehouse table trying to solve all the problems of the world and made fun of each other, you know, as a pretty basic <laughs> part. But, you know, the, the reality of the job people don't really see. Number one, there's a brotherhood that is just, you know, the, the cliche of forging and fire. I mean, until you've gone into burning buildings that are, you know, upwards of a thousand degrees, you're crawling through the heat, the smoke and going into a house that you've never been in before with your eyes closed, because that's how dark it is once you get inside and your flashlight doesn't even pierce the smoke. So it's all by feel and touch and everything. You know, until you've experienced that, you've never really understand what it's like inside the fire. So being inside of a fire is just straight crazy. I mean, it's hot. Your ears are blistering. You have carpet melting to your knees and, and you're just trying to search through and find the fire itself because the fire is usually somewhere deep within the house, but it's venting out the entrance that you went in because when you open the door, now you've created an oxygen for it to come out. It kind of chases after you. So that's the firefighting side of it. But what I loved most about the job was you never knew what was coming next. We would be sitting around the firehouse just chopping it up like you guys are. And then within a minute, we might be in a sweet old lady's house holding her hand because she's having a medical emergency. Or perhaps we're in a third alarm fire. Or perhaps we're at the scene of a car accident using the jaws of life to cut someone out. So the day-to-day -day rigors of the job, you just never know what you're getting. You know, I mean, if you really think about it, it sounds silly, but you're like a toolbox for human tragedy. You're just sitting around, well-equipped, waiting for something bad to happen, then you show up and you just put your life aside and try to make the lives of those around you better with the uh, the equipment that you have and your skill set and courage. You went into this job not as a Christian, right? You were not a Christian right. when you entered into when you entered into the job, and you had a very different perspective on on life. Uh, and I want to get into I want to get into that and how that that changed, but. You mentioned in the subtitle of the book, darkness, and right. you and I have talked a lot and I've gotten, I'm getting to know you and yeah. you know, you shared some stories. We were talking about my book, playing with fire mm -hmm. and which you read and actually we connected about and right. your thought at first was who's this wacko who wrote this, <laughs> this weird book. And then you, you know, you read it and you're like, okay, he's not as wacky as I thought. And right. so we had a good, and then you came on the show and you go, then, oh, oh no, well, no, I was right. <laughs> my first impression was right. But 
but what is so you shared some stories and i don't want to leave the question here but but some of them really i mean one of the stories really stuck out to me about the darkness and the reason i bring this up is because again not knowing for the, most of us what a firefighter goes through can you share and i think you know the story i'm talking about but some of the things you saw and what it was like and and then we can talk through how you process that yeah, for sure. So to, to give the quick backstory on that, for the first 28 years of my life, I was not a follower of Christ. I was, a, you know, people say, were you an atheist? Well, no, I was one of those nun categories. I was just angry at the world. And if you put a Christian in front of me, oh, watch out. Okay, because I would go get him, you know, and, and that was actually my nickname in the fire department. The Oakland Fire Department was the demon seed. And so going to a response, what is so awesome about it is you're helping people. But the rough part that you don't think about it is you're leaving a piece of yourself there by helping them out, doing what you can, but you also pick up a piece of it. So in West Oakland, where I work, just two doors down from where the Black Panther Party started and in the middle of all the crack wars and the bad stuff, and just real quickly, I'm not saying all of Oakland is bad. There's just amazing people, but the criminal aspect there because of those uh, uh, folks that you mentioned before, like Pelosi, never mind, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but the real world the issues that we had to deal with because of the, the broken policies out here in California were tough. So we would go to multiple shootings. We'd go to multiple fires. And when you're there, it's weird. Some calls wouldn't bug you, but maybe you're pulling a kid out of a fire and they didn't make it. And it just stuck with you. Well, what basically sucked was I had nowhere to leave it as, as an atheist, if you will, I had nowhere to say, all right, man, I need to grow from this because I was in the pit of hell being a non-believer. And so when I would come out of a fire or a bad issue, along with all the struggles I had of growing up, dude, I had nowhere to leave everything that I was picking up. And it, it mm -hmm. finally came to a point where the evilness and the darkness, which is so true. Cause I explained it through my whole book that I lived in a world of darkness, dude, it will drag you down and it will kill you. And how did you come to a place where you found yourself saying you could no longer live in that in that darkness? Oh, yeah, it was uh, when a pack of Christians turned me away from church one day. <laughs> That's when I finally realized I could go. But let me back that up just a little bit. We were responding to a jumper on the Bay Bridge. And my engine company was first due at the uh, Bay Bridge between San Francisco and Oakland. And we get there and there's a dude and he's getting ready to take the eternal plunge. But I made a good rapport with him. You know, I'm yakking it up. And I mean, I'm talking old school. We're talking Conseco and all this stuff on the yeah. Oakland days. And, you know, just making the rapport with the dude. But I saw something in his eyes that you sometimes see this emptiness, this darkness. And I'm not saying this dude was evil. But have you ever seen like a picture of Charles Manson where there's like, there's nothing there, dude, except like an evil inside? Mm -hmm. Well, his eyes just kind of like glazed over in that, dude. And he just snapped back and he's like, I'm sorry. And, and it's like he stepped back, but it was like something pulled him off that bridge, dude. And we locked eyes as he was dropping down into the bay, taking that eternal plunge. Oh, wow. And when I got back on the fire engine... It was like I finally had a recognition of this darkness that had taken over me and it climbed back on the fire engine with me, it rode back to the firehouse and it just entered my everyday life. It was almost like we now knew where we stood that like I didn't know what it was, but the evilness that surrounded me was now in me and it was tearing me apart, dude. And that's kind of like the time frame of when I started realizing there's got to be something. I, I don't want to live like this my entire life. Jason, what what year would that have been? You know, to keep it safe book wise, I say the early late 90s, early 2000s, because a lot of the things I document in my book 
well, everything I document in my book, they're real fires. They're real. And so to keep it safe, I don't want families to have to relive it. I keep it safe. But Mm -hmm. let's go late 90s, early 2000s is the the time frame in there. You know, it's interesting. I I mean, you know, this this I'm in ministry today. So I pastor church and you're just, you know, meeting Mm -hmm. me here. But I'm in ministry today uh, because of something arguably that happened on the Bay Bridge. No way. And and so I, you know, grew up in Indiana and there this would have been, you know, my freshman year, just after my freshman year of high school. So probably 95, 96. And there I went to this youth conference, long story short. And while I was there, I you know, grew up in a Christian home, everything else. Um, but uh, this pastor said it was like a Wednesday night. He goes, hey, right now, like God's going to put somebody on your heart. And when you get home, just call them and ask them if there's anything you can pray for them about. Mm-hmm. And so I, I come uh, home from this conference, you know, I'm in, you know, it's kind of that youth conference, you know, you're just like, like cloud nine, like, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm tight with Jesus sort of mm-hmm. thing. And really my faith was starting to become real. And there was a name that had popped in my head that night. I'd never felt like I heard, heard like the Lord speak to me before. Right. And um, it was this girl's name. Now I was just finished my freshman year. I was still kind of in like this scared of girls phase, yeah. you know, and and uh, I didn't really know this girl very well, but um, I called her and and I said, uh, hey, I know this is going to sound weird, but I was at this thing and and, you know, this pastor said to think of somebody's name and and da 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 da. And I'm just calling you to see if there's anything I can pray for you about. And she mm-hmm. starts crying. Wow. And and I she goes, what day was that? And I said it was Wednesday, you know, and sort of been like some June 1990, you know, five you know right. uh on a wednesday night and uh and she starts crying even more and i, I she goes what what time and i go out you know 7 30 8, 8 p.m or whatever it was and she just loses it and you know i'm, I'm trying to figure out what i did you know right right and right. and i was completely ill-equipped for the situation and 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 i said what what's going on and she goes we got a call that night at you know 8 p.m or whatever it was that her brother had taken his life and jumped off the Bay bridge and killed himself. And, you know, um, it would be, it would take four years for me to lead her to the Lord um, and ended up baptizing her. But I knew that night, although I didn't have any, I wasn't equipped to do anything with it. I knew that I heard God. I knew that at that moment I heard God say this person needed something. And I don't think I was much help at that moment because I wasn't really equipped. It was almost shocking to me that I heard but just when you're telling this story, like it's just bringing mm-hmm. that emotion back to me. And that it was like, a, a, that? it would, it would have been, uh, it probably would have been 90, I think it was 95. It was just after my freshman year of high school, probably oh. June. Yeah, dude. Um, wow. I mean, I'm just getting chills hearing that story, man. Be, and it's, it's kind of weird for me to do that, you know, especially talking with a pastor, you know, cause I always like the parallels are really cool when you're like, you're explaining something you've gone through and there's something I've gone through. We're yeah. on the same parallel. Yeah. The one I wasn't on was being awkward with chicks. I'll be honest. Cause I didn't grow up in a, uh, a Christian home. You know? so, <laughs> and for the young guys out there listening, we'll have a talk off of the side on how you should respect women. Okay. And, uh, but, but with that being said, dude, you know, you can just sometimes sense and feel evil and you can mm. sense and feel God's presence. You really can dude. And in Oakland, like Billy and I, how we connect and we're talking I would sense some of the most evil situations you'd ever seen. Like I would walk into stuff I can't even really talk about because it would just disturb people so much what I truly witnessed that evil can do to the human flesh and one another when it gets hold. 
But what's so beautiful about it, too, is in those situations how God takes those and he flips them, you know, and he turns them into something that he's like, man, I'm going to get glory out of this. Don't worry about it. And I love that, man. So thanks for sharing that story because I was getting chills just hearing it, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate what you, you know, what you do and 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 also how you, you know, you're just sharing your story of this transformation. I just think that's really powerful, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a weird, connected world. Yeah. It really is. Oh, yeah. You know, when you sit there and look at dumb firemen hanging out with you guys, you know, it's, it's definitely a God thing. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you're not dumb, but I know there's at least two people here that are, that are not you, <laughs> you and me. So uh, that, yeah, no, it's crazy. The connections are are crazy right i mean Mm -hmm. that you're both you both had this experience that was very very similar right Mm -hmm. in the same in the same place and the fact that you chose to sort of open yourself up right about your life right about your testimony how did your life change see that darkness that you were experiencing that was still the the darkness in the world was still there but once you became a christian how did that change in terms of how you approached your job when you were confronted with those sorts of things well you know what i tell people obviously through faith alone in christ alone and what he did for us on the cross at calvary is eternity in heaven right salvation that's the number one thing but there's the and factor you know because sometimes people chase the and factor because of sometimes what's preached out there i want a better life i want this well i tell people like yeah i came to christ after i almost died in fire and they're like do your life get better I'm like no it still flat sucked but check this out mm-hmm. from a worldly view it did but i now had clarity yeah. i now understood something called sin i understood something called evilness because prior to becoming a christian if you really think what this world preached to me was i could do anything i wanted to do become whatever i want to be And bro, that was part of what was killing me too, because I was striving to save everyone and people were dying in front of me every day. And I'm thinking I'm a failure because I was called to rescue these people. Right. And they're dying. Well, then I got the world tell me you can save everyone and do all this stuff or be whatever you want to be. Well, let's be honest, guys, if that was a fact, I'd have a guaranteed $87 million NBA contract right now. Okay. If I could do whatever (laughs) I wanted to do. All right. But God has a different will than mine. I mean, I mean, Jason's will is much easier than God's will at times, but his will is so mighty, so amazing and so great that the clarity I got when I put my faith in him, the calls were still there. The murders, we would go out the door on, you know, 300 shootings per year. We would walk into houses where you wanted to call CPS, but you couldn't because there wasn't a system of violence happening in that house, but it just broke your heart with what you saw. It was still there. But then I would go to scripture, I'd go to prayer, I'd go to church, have the body of Christ around me. And now I had a place where they could help me understand. And also, as we know, I'd be like, God, take the pain of my past out of me. Well, he's like, I'm not. I'm like, well, please. He's like, no, still there because I still have struggles from my childhood. But he says, use them, Jason, to bless other people. I'm like, let's go. Let's do that. You know, and it's a great therapy you know coming from a a heartfelt way like that too so so there's to answer your question there is the way that i used to be like i would go on scene and i i was basically god if you will and i'm saying that in a a non-heretical way as an atheist i'd show up trying to be god and i was the worst god on the face of the earth now once i understood who god almighty is the perfect creator of absolutely everything I now had clarity on why someone was dying in front of me. And it now flipped my mind from, yeah, I'm going to use every ounce that I have in front of me to selflessly help people up to and including if I needed to die, pulling them out of a fire. But it also gave me clarity on an urgency to preach the gospel, man, because when you're watching thousands of people, let's say thousands, but countless people taking their final breaths as their eternity is being locked in, 
dude, it gives you a sense of clarity and also a sense of urgency to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is that is powerful. And what would you say, like, if people pick up The Rescuer and you should mm-hmm. pick it up and read it, what is the thing that you want them to think and feel at the end of that? I just want them to have hope, man. I mean, especially this last year, dude. It's been a pretty sucky year all the way around. I mean, we can all talk about it, every each personal thing we've gone through. And I just want people to see the darkness because I love the fact now that God let me walk in the dark for 28 years because I can explain it to people in a way that maybe someone who was raised in a, a Christian home can't explain it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I believe we, you know, pastors, kids, all this boy, pray, I actually say, praise God. I'm glad I wasn't a pastor's kid when I hear some of those stories. But, but truthfully, I want people to see the darkness and I want them to see if he can convert a guy like me who chased a pastor out of his firehouse in chapter two. I threw a pastor out of my firehouse and I did it because he said, how are you? And we just came back from a fatality fire. And I said, oh, I'll tell you how I am, cuz. And I let him know. And I told him to get his fake book of lies, the Bible, his fake Jesus and his self wow. on my firehouse. Oh, dude, I went hardcore on him. And I flat out told him, if you want to do some good for humans, why don't you go grab one of these helmets over here? Why don't you grab a turnout coat and show up to a fire with his clown? And so that's how messed up I was. So I want people to see how messed up I was. And then to now, I'm good. Everything. I'm not good, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm healthy. I'm feeling better. And now I've, I've come into the light and want people to understand what the light is that we're always preached about where all his goodness is, as opposed to when we fall into the darkness where all the negativity is. Now it's so powerful, Jason. I appreciate you so much uh, just sharing that story and, and, you know, uh, this, I, 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 you know, I'm really just kind of came across your story this week as we're prepping mm-hmm. for the show. And so, uh, Billy was raving about, uh, the book and about, uh, just your testimony. So, uh, definitely got to get the book. So tell our audience kind of where they can find out more and how they can follow you and all that kind of good stuff. Oh yeah. Well, first off, I'm the biggest nobody around. So following me may not be that interesting, but I do have a Facebook page that is Jesus is all we need that I put together. And it's crazy. Someone mentioned the other day, it's like up to 723,000. I was going to say, you've got like almost a million people on this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, tell you what, having a million Christians following you is is quite the learning experience. That's for sure. You know, but I love it. And I love what I do there. So you it's gracefully rescued the handle there at um, Facebook. And then the my publisher, Thomas Nelson, put together rescuerbook.com, which shows all the stores it's at, but it's it's at every single store and stuff. So you can grab it anywhere. Most people seem to snatch it off Amazon, but wherever you want to grab it, it's available. Awesome. So awesome. I, you know, and, I want I did want to ask him one other question. Well, and you do no, Chris a, you, is alive, everyone. Hey, well, I've been listening. It's, it's, it's been, listening. It's been no, Chris interesting. Chris is a listener. He's a listener. Um and Billy said you have a podcast on Edify, that yeah. right? Right. So yeah. you're doing that, which which means you have to associate with Billy. More than right. you're probably comfortable with. Oh, the no, other, he's great, man. The I'm other sorry, question, I got to up for the guy. <laughs> See, look Please. at this. See, I don't understand. Look, how long have you known him? Chris? We know, we know things he doesn't know That's yet. True. Can oh, we yeah. just? No, so I've known him for uh, I've known him for 13 days now. So okay, well, then. <laughs> the honeymoon is. I remember when over. I used to like Billy after I knew him for 13. Right. Yeah. Days. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of 13 days, so. Uh, you're a manly man, right? You've been a, a firefighter for your whole professional career, right? What oh, yeah, was, well, you know, I'm, I guess, you know, if you want to yeah. call me that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, firefighters, yeah. you, you know, right. you're, there's firefighters and then there's everybody else. 
Well, just so, so we're clear, I got hired as a fireman. The term firefighter didn't come around until uh, right. uh, Nancy and everyone made change that. So. I got you. I got you. I totally, I totally understand. So um, we were talking at the beginning of the show, and you won't listen to it because you have sense, about jobs we had when we were younger, right? And so like I had like construction jobs and those sorts mm-hmm. of things, bucking bales. Billy um worked in a wax museum and then also for 13 not a wax museum and then and then 13 days as a in a pizza joint because he just couldn't take the stress yeah Uh, lucas kudos on bringing the 13 days back by the way i did i quit before two weeks i did (laughs) my friend lucas above me um delivered flowers to funeral homes and sororities on rollerblades Ooh. on roller and rollerblades <laughs> roller and also that actually fits his profile perfect just and, looking at him and, worked, okay, it. and worked at a golf course off and on so okay. what were the early jobs that you had you a manly fireman had before you were a fireman um i skateboarded empty pools all over southern california spray painted on churches and slept on park benches perfect so it was a pretty yeah it was a, it was a great <laughs> training up ground to become there but no um i washed dishes right. at you know the busy restaurants and i tried a job in retail but i didn't have the right clothes so they fired me ah, <laughs> so, gotcha. so i went back to washing dishes and skateboarding <laughs> <laughs> it's no museum but it sounds exciting <laughs> yeah, how about, i feel like that firemen have this uh stereotype that they're all really good cooks is that is that the case for you well in oakland if you want a salad you even have to make the salad dressing and the croutons you don't get to buy any of that stuff i mean you're not out back growing the the lettuce of course and stuff but if you want to anything we make is from scratch nothing's allowed to come out of cans and stuff and so it usually takes about four to five years in the oakland fire department until you're allowed to be the uh, cook mm. and the first meal you make is pretty rough because even if it's the most beautiful meal on the face of the earth you have 12 dudes you know you're talking vietnam era guys and they'll eat it and they'll tell you how horrible it was yeah. they'll throw it out they'll scream and yell at you and say well if you can't even cook for us what are you gonna do for us on a fire i mean it's a tough crowd to get yeah, into man. man and stuff. so yeah they're, they're a pack of tough guys but the food is good that's for sure and, and it's kind of morbid but the history that i had like why do we eat so well they're like hey kid it might be your last meal like, it right, makes sense right. to me <laughs> do you do you miss oakland at all wow. i miss it a lot man yeah. i miss the fire house life i miss everything about it you know I didn't get to exit my way and I don't want to take too much of the time, but the day the doctor walked in the hospital room and said, Jason, you can't be a fireman anymore was mm-hmm. the worst day of my life okay. at the time. It crushed me because looking at it from a Christian view, I idolized the job. I idolized everything about mm-hmm. it, but it also paid what I did for a living because firemen are never rich, but they're never broke if you do your money right. And so also that was snatched from me and I now get my pay cut in 50%. All these struggles happen, but I wake up every morning praising God and thanking him for not let me be a fireman because look where I'm at now and how I can use it to help other people. So, man. so I, what I missed the crud out of it. But what, yeah. are, what are you doing for work right now besides edify and, you know, selling books? I applied for a job as a, a trash truck driver today. And did don't you laugh, really? So. Yeah, I did. <laughs> no, um, you know, I uh, I owned a business and I sold it before I went into um, ministry full time. So I'm, you know, just trying to figure out what ministry looks like right now. But I like to stay busy face to face. And what kind of sucks is when my book dropped, it was in September of last year in the middle of COVID. So I had all these speaking engagements, all these things mm-hmm. going on. And they're ripped out in front of me. So now I'm sitting here in an office doing what I feel like is nothing, even though I'm touching a lot of people and stuff. Yeah. So I'm just letting God shape my ministry and praying that the uh, speaking engagements and stuff will start opening back up. That's great. That's great. Awesome. Yeah, we're we're start we're you know come start booking stuff in the Midwest. We're moving out here, and oh, uh, events are happening. 
Well, you guys, you guys all ruined California by sending all these nut jobs out here and I ruined my great state. And then, then you guys love to blame us and tell us not to move out of the state after you guys packed them all into LA and the Bay Area. But that'll be a whole different show we can talk about. Because because I tell everyone, just because I'm from California, and yes, I came to Christ in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah, okay, in the right. Bay Area. And stuff, I, I'm not California, okay? So don't hold mm-hmm. that over my head. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Well, listen, this has been this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story tonight and inspiring people as you always do. I really appreciate it. Oh, Thanks, I appreciate Jason. you guys, man. Hey, it's good to Thank meet you. you guys. All right. Well, that was awesome. Well, He's we traumatized great. another guest. That's right. <laughs> who knew who knew you could scar a fireman? <laughs> he won't he won't He's be like back. I've been to a lot of terrible situations, but Nothing none like quite this. like that. He won't be back, is my guess. Um, I, I would like love him. to have him back to talk about his ideological transition. Yes, we didn't even get yes, into that. Absolutely. He, you know, who he was ideologically, and he gave some hints before versus where he is now. But yeah. that story was crazy. I mean, I'm not going to lie, Lucas. The whole time you're telling me that, I'm like, is this the same person? I was too. Well, yeah, and I and the way he reacted made me wonder. I know, I know. That's, That's it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So I might have to connect with him more offline. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this uh, this guy was a young uh, young guy, probably in his twenties, um, and was actually out there modeling, hmm. and you know, it kind of gotten into. I, I mean, I don't know his whole his whole account, but you know, obviously got into a bad place and and took his life. So, um, yeah, tragic tragic thing. So, yeah, and I never uh, had anything spiritual happen. I've driven across it, but never had any some sort yeah. of spiritual connection to it. Yeah. Well, and the miracle there is that it's it actually a miracle. It, it was able collapse. to hold I guess there was a spiritual, there was a spiritual connection. No, I was waiting for that to come. There was, I, I mean, right there, was a, there was a spiritual component to that journey. I a softball. Uh, oh, and I'm gosh. sure everyone else who survived driving alongside you is very grateful as well. <laughs> no, I was, I was, um, it was just, now it makes sense. I didn't understand why they only allowed me to. I had to drive across by myself. There was no other cars. It makes total sense now. <laughs> uh, the 10-ton limit. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> anyway no that i i think i just yeah it made me really want to know if it was the same person which i didn't yeah. push because i want to respect no. obviously yeah, no for sure for that. sure <clears throat> but i mean it, it de- even even if it wasn't and it probably wasn't that parallel experience is really interesting yeah. to me well even, even if that wasn't i mean he could have been on the case of the of the sure. person it was sure. you know so yeah it's that's wild to think about so mm-hmm. uh very mm-hmm. very crazy do you keep in touch do you keep in touch with that woman that girl? Uh, yeah, periodically, periodically. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, yeah, we graduated uh, together. So, uh, yeah, periodically. So, this is one of the people you graduated with who actually still talks to you. <laughs> very, there's very few of those, but uh, yeah, and doesn't come out and call you a some sort of money <laughs> grubber on social media too, at one point. No, no, I've never been slapped by somebody. Uh, I did have somebody uh, say that I was uh, leading a cult. Mm-hmm. And um, what was the other thing? Oh, that well, Nazi point, wife of yours. That's right. That's the Nazi the other wife. <laughs> <laughs> that that quote made me laugh for hours. <laughs> Only because I saw that Nazi wife. Because I, I know and her. Part, and Chrissy, so but the best part is like Chrissy speaks German, which just makes it even funnier. Which this person wouldn't have known necessarily, but. <laughs> Um, wasn't your wife also almost your English teacher at one point? (laughs) (laughs) It was German. German. It was German. Yeah. Uh, What kind of high school did you go to that you had German? We barely had Spanish at my high school. Same here. Well, 
We had uh, German, Japanese, sign language, um, Spanish, French. Oh, how big and, was your uh, school? How big was your school? I graduated with, I think, what? Well, my I started my freshman year with nine hundred ninety kids in your class. And, in my class, and there was over three thousand something in the school. Nikes. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big school. The campus is like a mile long, you know, almost literally. So, Billy, it's, how many it's people crazy. were in your class? Your high school class. Um, <clears throat> it was fair. I had two hundred and eighty, I think. Okay. I want to say yeah. my class. I had twenty five. <laughs> so. so you knew everybody. That's oh, yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah I friends. saw kids on the day of my graduation that I had never seen before that are walking across the stage, and I'm like, "Who's that guy? Like, that's where does bizarre. he come from?" See, but that's kind of nice in a way because twenty five. I feel like you're mostly going to get along. I would yeah, imagine we did. Because we got you, along. Our class got along right. really well. Two eighty. There's going to be a lot of pockets, and it's going to be tricky. And it was, and it was tricky. My my high school was very much like the TV show high school cliche high school, like nine hundred two one zero kind of deal. Kind of, kind of, yeah. And I and it's interesting because every time there's a reunion, I ponder it. I'm like, do what I do you want go? Them? No, I don't like you people that don't I, go to your well, reunions. Because here's the thing, I would go. But every time it ends up being the most backwards, like it starts out with we're doing a reunion and then it's like at Joe Bob McGee's bar and pub. And it's like, this is not going to go well. I have I have never missed a class reunion. I've also never attended one. We haven't had one. That's I feel my, like that's Facebook, my class. All Facebook of our cla- ruined the class reunion. All of our classes in this in this community, every single class. In, at the high school that I grew up, the, the same school that my sisters went to, that my mom and her brothers went to, that my grandparents went to, right? They all have class reunions every year. My class has never had a class reunion. We all no love each other. No one wants to see you. It's because we're all lazy. Or None of us will organize you. one. Yeah. So. Well, I, fa- Facebook <laughs> well, we had one, class so reunions. I have to tell you. Well, why do you say that? I have, to, I have to tell you. Because everybody, so like before, I think people would go to class reunions, they're thinking, What's that person up to? Mm-hmm. I want to go see all these people and see what they're doing. Now you're kind of like, I already know what you're doing. I see your posts all the time, and you you're annoying, or you suck, or your life's better see, than mine, see, and I don't, don't want to. I don't see all those. And you have posts. a Nazi what? I don't see a bunch of people's posts. We had to we had to create a Facebook group just to talk to each other to kind of maybe try to organize. Maybe look, maybe we could have a class reunion. It's not really a reunion. It's just sometime in meet in the summer, have a barbecue that wouldn't be on one of the five year. We've they do it we've every done five some of those. years. But we ha- we haven't done. We were trying to organize one of you a few years ago. One of the people in the group goes, "Okay, but okay, but it has to wait six months because I can't leave the county." <laughs> it's like, oh, sounds so about right. Did you right. guys not do it? We've no, we've never, we have never met together as a class since we graduated twenty six years ago. I helped on the planning committee. Of course for you my last reunion naturally yep and then uh i kind of like did the little host thing now i wasn't you know i wasn't like like i was kind of a floater within yes. like the I, clicks yes. with <laughs> in, the, in the toilet bowl of high school i was a floater <laughs> oh gosh i sure hope jason doesn't listen to this part of the show so <laughs> Here's the thing, though, because you're mad at me, Lucas, that I don't go to my reunions. We've only had one or two of them, and like 20 people showed up out of almost 300. I will tell you, there is some real jerkery in this group, and that is why. And and it's not like you can ignore 
I joined the group on Facebook. I, I said, I'm going to join. Wait, is Chris? Oh, you're calling me a jerk. Well, I probably was a jerk, but I, I joined the group on Facebook. Scream with there them like a, you do your children. There was a particular <laughs> young, young man. We didn't talk about that school. on the show, did we? We talked about that before the show. No. <clears throat> you know what? Why do you have to make me out to be evil? Let me just tell you this story because this okay. is why. Sorry. This particular person was made fun of in high school, and all he wanted to do was fit in. And it was a little strange. Is he this had an to... autobiography right now? I'm trying to figure. <laughs> Listen, let me, let me tell you. It's just like when Paul writes a, about there was a man a, who was caught up in the third it's heaven. A guy, it's a guy. It's a guy named <laughs> Schmelly Schmalowell. I hate you. Wait, I have a yawn. <sighs> okay, let me finish that. So this man, this kid was made fun of. Now he Hilly would pass Ballowell. gum out to people, and he would pass gum out. And it, I think in his mind it was like a currency. If I give gum to people. Okay, they're gonna like me, and so people would make up gum for friendship, gum for friendship, and they would like mock him, like, and it was just this thing. And so he would just always exchange gum, and of course, I loved gum, so I was happy with it. I didn't bother me. Now, now this is twenty years ago, almost. And twenty next year will be our twenty year reunion. I joined this group a couple years ago. It's like everyone's being nice, and they start mocking this kid again for the gum. Oh my gosh! Like it took it's. I'm not kidding you. It continued, and I've shared with you the other stories, like when my book came out, it continued as though high school were still going on, and it was brutal. Man. And I was like, there's no way I would ever. Like, these people have not changed at all, and that's remarkable. The gum kid needs you to show up to be friendly. Yeah, yeah, you need to be there for him. He then became the fake ID kid. So he could be getting a wedgie in the bathroom at the at the reunion if you okay, don't show up like, to defend how him. How are you still doing the high school mocking thing 20 years later? It was oh, there's, years yeah, we have we have people that oh, do that for yeah. sure. Yeah, don't do yeah. the high school mocking thing, do the podcast mocking thing. I mean, yeah. seriously. <laughs> I mean, listen, I I have stories from high school that we will tell another day, but you know, it's yeah. Mental it's, note, all you have to do is give Billy gum in order to be friends with That's him. Right. Oh, totally. Candy, I'm in. treats. I, who knows who knows how many strangers' cars he crawled into? You know, hey, little boy, like a little piece of candy. I get a pizza? <laughs> a whole pizza? I'd twerk over a pile of flaming coals for a pizza. I'll tell you that much. Backwards. Um, I guess you have to twerk backwards. So anyway, um, I guess it's just a regular twerk over the flaming coals. But I would do it for stuffed crust in particular. Um <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this shows off the rails. Someplace. Wow. Well, so you, well, so Billy, you did have a another thing you wanted to talk about. Did you want to talk about this deconstruction thing? Did you want to I get into know. that today? Oh, I, I have something like... to debut too. Oh yeah, that's well, right. We have, here's oh, what we're yeah, gonna yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna save the deconstruction conversation for next week, and we are gonna listen to Lucas has a world premiere. Before we play this, could you? Could you tell people what deconstruction is so that maybe someone who maybe doesn't know could do a little a teaser. research on okay. what it means? Because, I mean, we all sure. here know exactly what it is, but there might sure. be someone listening who perhaps doesn't know. Deconstruction is a process that people go through to pull apart the different pieces of their faith, to analyze them, to see if the things they've been brought up to believe or think about faith are good things. Now, that's the, that is the general definition. What deconstruction has become is an obnoxious practice for many in which they dismantle their faith, never rebuild it, and then create some other, some other system in which they suddenly believe. And it tends to parallel what culture is telling us is the way to live, not what the gospel tells us. De deconstruction is not a bad thing if your plan is to 
tweak and reconstruct and assess. I think assessment is a better word than deconstruction. I don't like the word deconstruction because the people who are using it generally end up no longer be, being Christian. So, I mean, that is generally so what, what got you on this case? Because you've been tweeting and talking about this, and you and I have talked about this on the phone. What got you on this kick about deconstruction? I just, every time I turn around, I'm watching someone else do it. And uh, so it wasn't the any, peop- it wasn't any <clears throat> person in particular on social media who perhaps has a, a, an, a large book and seminar audience and has done a lot of preaching and speaking in different places and perhaps is blonde. Which person is this? Cause I can't keep track. Are we talking about not Jonathan Steingart? No, no. It's a, I, I was trying to get around saying Beth Moore because you were talking about her, oh, her no. thing Beth about Moore's the, the, just, the male, Beth... female stuff. And no, no. So okay. actually she didn't trigger what, me. She didn't trigger, trigger me with this. Okay. No, no, this is, I've been annoyed about it for a while. Um, and, and listen, everyone's on their own journey. You have a right. If you want to deconstruct your faith, good. You have the right to do it. I have a right to say that I think it's obnoxious that your end result is looking like the rest of culture. Congratulations. So brave. Yeah, exactly. You look like everyone else. Exactly. Um, I don't, to me, it's just not now again, I don't want to be rude to people who are genuinely assessing what they, what they believe so that they can get through doubt or arrive at a destination. The problem is when your destination is the vacuum of cultural abyss, I think you, can basically say that your deconstruction process was a failure with no plan to reconstruct. Yeah, so right, right, we right, should right. talk about this. Yes. Lucas, you probably deal with this. Yeah, I, I deal with this a little bit in the book. And, you know, I mean, one of the things I always tell people, like, you know, Jesus said he's going to tear down the temple. And and I think that that is what, you know, symbolically a lot of people are doing with their faith is they're just deconstructing the temple of their faith, so to speak. But they forget that Jesus said, but I'm going to rebuild it in right. three days. Exactly. And most people are just deconstructing faith and forgetting to ever rebuild it. So it's one thing to like kick over sacred cows of religion and and pharisaicalism and, and you know, uh, just tradition and these things. Um, but but, you know, if we aren't if we aren't rebuilding that upon something, you know, that becomes a real problem. Apparently. apparently Billy was done talking about <laughs> Billy, it. Billy he, just got raptured. Dis- disappeared. <laughs> I don't know. I'm back. I'm here. <laughs> what was that? I was, thought somebody maybe offered you some candy. Was, wait, can you imagine if I was raptured and you two idiots were left behind? <laughs> that would be the best mid episode. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, the ratings would go through the roof. Look would. at that giant pair of pants sitting in that chair. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so, so speaking big. of speaking of your book, Billy, do you want to introduce this this ridiculous little video clip we're going to listen to here? Oh my gosh! So it's the world premiere of. <laughs> Thanks for being so excited. So don't you have a class reunion again? Hold on, I'm going to start again. I'm going to start again. This is we're going to conclude the show with a video that you have been waiting to see for your entire life. It is a video that will transform you, that will elate you. It is the world premiere of the Christian Left book trail. Well, it will elate you if you had if kind you of Donald pay, Trump hands when it, you were. It, it will elate, it will elate you if you don't <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't already paid full price for the book, <laughs> not yet received it. I pre-ordered it at full price. I did too. It's not going to come autographed or anything. All right, here we go. Nope. The religious landscape of the United States. Wait. What are you wearing? (laughs) Leave him alone. Is that a camel hair jacket? 
Leave her what, alone. I don't remember what I'm wearing. I have to look it up again. It's a brownish jacket and a no, it's black. Not, I don't think it's, yeah, it's brownish and black. We didn't even get two seconds black into this shirt thing. with white polka dots. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we've already stopped. And First then, of all, and that I, looks I'm like gonna, did you I buy good. That, okay that watch that you're wearing? Did you buy that off the street from somebody? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the world premiere. We're okay, gonna wait, try this again. Where, now, may I ask where you filmed this? Yes, I filmed this at St. Monica's Church in Mishawaka. Father Jacob, great guy. So can I ask the reason for using that backdrop? Well, as you know. Because it's cool. I mean, he it's, was be- it's beautiful. It's a beautiful it, it, church. It really yeah, it is. really is. He was teasing me because he's like, I was like, hey, what do you think if, you know, because uh, we'd kind of heard of each other. Um, and he's he's a very well-liked, charismatic uh, pastor, priest in our in our city, very Catholic town here, you know, by the University of Notre Dame. Sure. And, and so he's one of the bigger kind of parishes, young, young guys, actually younger than I am. And um, a really cool story. And so we we connected on the phone. He's like, hey, I've, I've followed your stuff. And, you know, I'd heard of his stuff. And and so we grabbed some coffee and I'm talking to him I'm like, hey, I got this idea. I really want to film this book trailer and I need a place that's I want it just to look kind of like have some history to it and look cool because you go to a, a Protestant church and like, like it's just drywall, you know, sure. like that's what the backdrop is. And so I wanted like some depth there. And, you know, the, the cinematic side of me was was looking for the right location. Right. And and before I even got done, he's like, you want the pretty church, don't you? And I was like, yes, I want the pretty church. So that's where we. Feel. All right. So we'll start. Let's start this over. I will try to ignore whatever it is you're wearing here. <laughs> I. OK, let's go ahead. I guess we'll go ahead. The religious landscape of the United States is changing at a rapid pace as the Christian faith is being eroded by what the New York Times calls an ascendant liberal Christianity. Rooted in progressive ideology and Marxist thought, this new Christian left has partnered with the state in order to advance a liberal agenda and silence the truth. Unless the church in America wakes up, the gospel remains in jeopardy. Author, speaker, and Christian media personality Lucas Miles tackles this timely subject in his new number one Amazon best-selling book, The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. The Christian Left unveils how liberal thought has entered America's sanctuaries, exchanging the trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with the trinity of diversity, acceptance, and social justice. This in-depth look at church history, world politics, and pop culture masterfully exposes the rise and the agenda of the Christian left and what true believers in Christ can do about it. The left has moved away from the word of God as absolute truth and has begun to slowly drift into the divergent dark waters of progressive ideology. The Christian left is endorsed by some of the most prominent Christian figures in the country, such as Abby Johnson, Kevin Sorbo, and Governor Mike Huckabee, who said, as a former pastor and conservative politician, I can attest that our nation's churches need a voice like Pastor Lucas Miles. The Christian left definitely captures the unique and subversive threat that Marxist thought poses to Christianity, as well as to our great republic. Every Christian in America needs to read this book. It's not too late to restore America's Judeo-Christian values and to reestablish the church in this nation and around the world back upon biblical orthodoxy. The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church is a must-read for all Americans. From pastors to patriots who are looking to uphold our Judeo-Christian framework and restore the hope of the gospel. Order your copy today. Visit lucasmiles.org to find out more. Thank you, thank you. So who was the who was the chick doing the voiceover? Was that somebody anybody we know? Um, well, not that you know, but she works okay. for me. All right, good. Yeah, it's very couldn't good. Get, she did a good get, job. Couldn't get Chrissy to do it, huh? 
no, I, I, I figured that those that would know me it would just seem kind of like, well, there like, we yeah, go again. Yeah, yeah, like so. Yeah, no. So uh, th- that girl's name's Rachel. She does some voiceover work for us. Is she the one who also does your yard? I was. <laughs> <laughs> No, she does him mow the yard, okay. but we we have a we have a new uh, a new guy that's doing some stuff now. So he's uh, uh, he's rebuilding the pond in our backyard. Wait so. a second, wait wait. How come I didn't know about this pond? <laughs> it's not very big. How big a spread it, do you have there? Well, it would Billy would have trouble using it as a hot tub. Let's put it <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> but not now after the renovation. I think it would fit uh, oh maybe all three of us. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, do you go in the pond? Well, not if I can help it. I've been in the pond before. Do you have little fishies in there? Well, we did, but the pump went out, uh, years, (laughs) well, two years ago. Sucked up one of the fish. And there, like, once, once the water got still, a, uh, uh, what is it called? Algae? Um, an egret or something like that came down and, or crane came down and ate all the fish. <laughs> and so and there was like some big koi. So that was like a sad day here. Right. But we, we now have like just some little bitty goldfish that we got last year and they are living in our basement until the pond is done in a fish tank. Yeah. And uh, so he's rebuilding the whole thing, did a new liner or lining okay. it with rock, everything else. And so this is an estate. Realize- okay. We talk about my estate. Yeah. This is an estate. Yeah. And it's so, making me miss my cleaning lady so that you are, have workers at your house. Yeah, well, how long has it been since Helga's been to your house? It's been a long time. So you realize you know, eight weeks. You know that goldfish are gonna, your goldfish are going to grow when you put them in the pond. Right? Oh yeah, that's okay. what we're hoping. Okay, good. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's it's like the size of like a small kid's bedroom. That's like it's not like this giant. You mean like pond. the like a small bedroom or the bedroom of a small child. <laughs> so wait, have you willingly swam in it? No, but we've had to clean it out a few times, and that was like me getting in there with waders and like. So it's just like up to your knees or your to your knees. Well, it's probably it was probably yeah three and a half feet something okay. like that. So, so like up to um, your shoulders, then you're a small <laughs> man. People don't know this. Lucas is diminutive. Not really. I don't. I, don't, have any I mean, I don't know why. I'm just like I'm fascinated by this. Why not why, just put why a pool up pool in, or why not just fill it with dirt and put grass on it? See, that would have, have been my have, choice. Why do you? That would have been my choice. Also, is this a Chrissy thing? Yes. Yes. She likes the pond. Chrissy likes the pond. What? No. What? Is, what is her obsession with this pond? I don't know if I'd say obsession, but she <laughs> likes. That's it. the drowning. Listen, in it. if you're having it expand, fixed, and then expanded. It's an obsession. What is her obsession with this pond? Does she go out and sit by it and read her books? No, but you can hear it from the back deck. You can hear the. You have a little waterfall too, or something. Yeah, like? there's a waterfall with it and everything oh, else. Oh yeah, in a state. But you know what you could do? You could buy <laughs> her. Compound. You could buy her a CD of waterfall sound effects. I like where you're going with this, Chris. You would have saved me a little bit of money. Yeah. And hassle, so dumb. right? If she's gonna, I just felt like it was like a mosquito breeding ground. Oh, absolutely! So, You're just asking for disease and more yeah. work. Like COVID twenty could have started in my backyard. <laughs> do you have bats? We do have some bats, oh, which I like. Well, then you'd be all right. And I if found out that Chrissy likes bats too. We were talking about your fear of bats, Billy. Nobody last... should like a. Yeah, bat. she thinks they're cute. What they're. <laughs> Flying rats that carry disease and suck your blood and kill you. My my sister's pretty convinced that, was, that I need. That was the most New Yorker you've ever sounded, Billy. Too. <laughs> <laughs> they suck your blood. 
So my sister, uh, you know, after we got done last time we recorded, she came and she talked to you guys for a few minutes. She looked at Ronnie, you, yeah. Yeah. So when we got done, she goes, you have to put Lucas's head on a bat because he looks like he could be a vampire. <laughs> I said, well, I have to think about doing that. But anyway. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah, she didn't mean it in a, in a, in a mean way at all. She just because you have the, the black hair. You got that like Eddie Munster thing. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, ninety-eight-year-old Chris Field knows I know Eddie exactly Munster. who Eddie Munster is. Um, thirteen, thirteen. I'm old enough to lane. know Eddie Munster for sure. Uh, I used to love watching that show. I loved it too. I I want to like watch it again because it's in black. I mean, it was obviously it came out and was over before either three sure. of us were alive. Yes. But yes. I remember when I was a kid, like TBS Superstation would have oh, it on yeah. like at twelve oh five. Or, or the Addams Family and then the Monsters or vice versa. Like, they did back-to-back monster shows. I didn't like the Addams Family as much. Same here. The that Monsters was way better than it the was, Addams Family. It was funnier and everything, but the Addams Family yes. is is what is the one that really caught on. It's the more classic one. Beverly Hillbillies. Watched I, a lot I, of I that. a little bit of that, yeah. Usually yeah, I had to turn uh, up uh, Flintstones, because it would be the Flintstones sure. and the Addams Family and the I Monsters. love Lucy. you got to love I Love Lucy. I, a lot of uh, I Dream of Jeannie. A little bit of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bewitched. Bewitched. Bewitched was good. Bewitched. All of that these wasn't shows as good as Genie, you were, But all of these shows, you realize there's a, a small segment of the Christian population that would excommunicate us right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like we're talking about Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> did you go on the Harry Potter ride? We went. We did. Well, yes and no. We did some Harry Potter things. We, yes, we went on, did you wave a magic wand and cast spells? No. See, I'm not, I'm pro, I'm not anti-Harry Potter. I've read the first three books I've, my my daughter loves them she devoured them she's watched all the movies a couple times the main reason we went to universal studios is because my daughter and my sister are both but the sister you haven't met are both huge harry potter nerds i mean like poindexter level nerds on harry potter and so the main reason we hit universal for a day in the middle of our disney world vacation was because those two yahoos wanted to see the harry potter land and there I was have other never things seen a full harry potter movie they're kind of in fun. I've, I've 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 only seen two or three of them, but um, they're kind of, they're kind of fun, and the books the books are fun. It's just that it's like when I get. What to, do you think about kids pretending to cast spells based on Harry Potter? They're pretending. I don't care. Doesn't bother you? No, not at all. My sister, my daughter got a wand while we were there, and it's one of the ones. It is one that would work with all the things because if, if for those of you who don't know, when you're at Universal Studios and you're in Harry Potter Land, you can buy wands, and they're what forty five, fifty five dollars, and they're interactive. So you can there are pl- different places around like Harry Potter Land. Little you can wave something, and something in a magnetic window will move. thing or whatever yeah. they do. For yeah, it. it's uh, something in the in the window will move, or it will cause a fountain to turn on, or these different things that that these wands do. She did buy one just because she wanted a souvenir. She didn't want to walk around and use it. Has she tried to turn you into a newt yet? No, she did, but I got better. (laughs) Isn't that the line? (laughs) I think so. I got better. Uh, So, no, it was was nice. It was Harry Potter. Harry Potter Land was fun. Universal Studios was fun. You know, the crazy... So, I I wanted to tell you this. So, the mask thing, right, at at Disney World. You have to wear a mask everywhere you go. It's 85 freaking degrees, Mm -hmm. right, and humid. And you got a mask on all day. And they're Nazis about it, right? And so... They're they're fo- so focused on the mask thing, and so we're on. If you've ever been to Animal um, Kingdom, Disney World's Animal Kingdom, there is a safari where you can actually go out. Unlike the Jungle Cruise, where all the animals are fake in Magic Kingdom, the safari on Animal Kingdom is 
real animals. You can see tigers and you can see rhinoceroses and hippopotami and all sorts of things, right? So we're driving around and we're in this open, big open Jeep and we're all masked up. I got our masks on like this and the driver is sure to remind everybody, you must be wearing a mask at all times. So he's pointing out all these things as we drive along. And I look out and there is a Disney World worker out there by herself, (laughs) 50 yards away from the road we're on in the middle of, I think it is the tiger area, but it could be like the rhinoceros area, but there are no animals around her because she's in a section that's caged off. And it is probably three acres of space at least that she's cleaning, right? She's picking up extra poop and she's making sure everything's straightened out, making sure it feeds out all that. She's by herself. She's the closest people to her are 50 yards away in this car, this Jeep that's driving by. 50 yards away, she's cleaning a multi-acre space of natural land for some wild animal. And she's walking around in a mask by herself. (laughs) And all I wanted to do was pick up rocks and throw them at her because she's so stupid. But it's all Nothing virtue, makes me happier signal. than you two having to wear a mask for the rest of your lives. If it's I would not be gonna willing told, to wear told, one for the rest of my life told, just for you two. To I told have my to. family this. I, I, my, Ron, it was the same way. I love you. I'm, I'm enjoying this vacation, but I'm not doing a full-on mask vacation again. Not gonna do it. Yeah, I, I've stopped wearing a mask around here. I've just, uh, except for in my building. Yeah. Um, you know, our and actually there's a whole debacle with like our county laws. So I have a special guest tonight, guys. Oh, is the Nazi wife so, here? Yes, yes. Yes. That Nazi wife of mine is here. <laughs> and uh she has a great story from Universal that I've oh, asked her to tell. Yes, I want to hear just you got Universal. back from there. We just went there. I'll give you this here. Mm-hmm. Well, hello, Na- so, hello, Nazi it, wife. Uh, we went down uh, when we were there at CPAC. And uh, we went to Universal for a day Mm -hmm. and Chrissy, like, I don't like masks, but Chrissy really doesn't like masks or hand sanitizer. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience? Well, first of all, the mask Nazis were out Uh. in full display (laughs) at Universal Studios. So let me tell you this. I interrupt you. They're worse at Disney than they were at Universal. I mean, I believe it by magnitudes worse. Anyway, go ahead. So we go through the we go through the the lines and they want you to hand sanitize every everywhere. <laughs> First couple rides, I was like, no thanks. They were fine. We get to the Harry Potter ride, uh. and that is a horse of a different color. We walk <laughs> through the line, and he he shows the hand sanitizer, and I said, no thanks. I don't want any. He said, you have to take the hand sanitizer to get on this ride, and so. I laid out my hand just barely. He squirts a little bit in it. I take my hand. I went fling. Hand sanitizer everywhere. The guy at the next station said, "You need to rub it in your hands, or you can't get on this ride." I said, "Look at this! Get me on that ride!" How does Lucas take you anywhere? I love it. I mean, forcing people to hand sanitize is bizarre. It's yeah, just it was weird. It was what if you didn't have deal. hands? Like, like. I mean, I I like hand sanitizer usually. I used to really like it before all this I because I could choose when I wanted to put it on. Well, and because you're a germaphobe. I don't like <laughs> – I don't – You really are. I do not I mean, the like – right, I won't go for, on the subway. The like, best and, thing in the world for Billy is social distancing. 
Yes, if, you're I, one I of those people overjoyed. that are like, oh, I'm so glad that we have quarantine so I don't have to see people. I was so happy. I will not go on a subway. If I have to walk 30 blocks, I've done this. Chris knows Oh, that. I know. I've seen you. You could walk, walk 30 blocks I if you oh, tried. I've, I've, I've seen it, and at the end oh, yeah. of 30 blocks, it is a mess. I'll be dripping sweat. <laughs> I, I will go 30 blocks to avoid he's, a subway he's any winded. day. He's <laughs> winded. Like he can't any carry day. on a conversation <laughs> any Chris, day. <laughs> Chrissy, we were also talking about the uh, the pond in the backyard. Yeah, what is the your what is, is your an interesting Chris has some questions. What is your it's obsession a very with this interesting pond? project? I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but there are rocks everywhere. But but what is your obsession with this pond? <laughs> well, it's not an obsession. It's uh, a wait, hobby. It's, I no. I need good hobbies. I need good positive well, under- things in my life. I understand that, but so according no, I'm just going by what Lucas told me. <laughs> Oh, here we go. Right. Get Lucas. He's paying. He's paying a ton of money to have this thing repaired and expanded, and that whenever something goes wrong with it, he has to put on the waiters and go in and take care of it. And you well, did nothing. That happened like well, the first and two times. And they, and but after the last three years, I was abandoned completely on the project, <laughs> and I've been in the pond by myself, according to Lucas, flinging out the sludge. What according other to- woman does the lawn? That well, Lucas the other woman, they, they asked if Rachel in the voiceover was the girl who mows our lawn. No, this girl. That's you, exactly. Yeah, no, he the, said o- he hi- the other woman. He said Lucas, he hired Lucas someone is to reading mow the lawn. Augustine. It's Augustine. Whatever. Augustine. <laughs> I haven't slept. So, um, anyway, so what is your? So he said if it were up to him, he would fill it with dirt and cover it with grass. Of course. Okay. So what is? Actually, what, I would pave it. He's a nature what, hater. Right, what is, except for birds. Except for bats. Except and bats. For bat. We like bats. Yeah, bats are cool. They're disgusting. <laughs> bats They're are amazing. vile, rabies-ridden, flying rats from the pits of hell. It's like a special <laughs> flying fox with superpowers. No, it's not. They're they're little demons. They're awful. I am certain that You've Satan, been with if, fire if for Satan too long. got to if Satan got to pick one thing to create, one thing Spiders. it would be the bat. No, spiders. Oh, spiders are spiders. way higher on that list. So they don't give you rabies. So, so Lucas though is is complaining about how you are spending all of his money to have this pond <laughs> fixed. I never and said that. Hardly, Billy. hardly. So and first that, of all, and that well, this is, this is a whole other story. But you, to you have work. to meet Doug, the pond guy, because he's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. Doug the pond is he guy someone else, is, is he someone like, else who the neighborhood works worker. For Lucas? Like he's he he works on people's yards. <laughs> okay. So we were walking the dog and uh he's working on Sally's yard over here. He says, Hey, I saw you got a pond. I said, We do have a pond. He's like, Well, you need help putting it up for the spring. And I said, Well, actually, it's got a leak. I need to redo the whole thing. And his eyes perked up really big. And he's like, I used to do ponds for a living. I said, Well, come on over and check it out. Ponds are ponds are I thought ponds happen when somebody like Chris takes a step and then you've got to fill it in with water. I didn't Boom. realize that a pond was like a business, a thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huge, oh, yeah. yeah. We have Big yards deal. here, Billy. There's yards. Like, Crash. I do I have, I do I have a huge. I have a huge yard and zero ponds. Ponds yeah. are awesome. So I okay, so attract all them, kinds is, of wild, wildlife. Right, so, like, bugs. And mice, birds, remember? Right, right birds. Oh, we do have, yeah, this is where a lot of our birds come from. Yeah. yeah. So they just come and just... So yeah, you, the birds have, are the birds are on their circle. way back right no, wait, now. No, wait, 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 wait. The only bird you mentioned, Billy, or Billy <laughs> Lucas, was the bird that came and ate the fish. 
You didn't mention any other and birds. And also, suddenly he's excited about the, this brings yeah. the birds in. You this wouldn't is, have so, it. You this is amazing. We're up to you. She walks we had into the, the room. With the Peleated Woodpecker was here Oh, today. yes, the Peleated Woodpecker, was she, it? She, walk, see it. Yeah. she walks into the room, and suddenly Lucas completely <laughs> changes his tune on this pond. Suddenly he's oh, yeah. the huge uh, yeah. pond he's advocate. It's really quite something to see. I love I the power that she has over him. <clears throat> We'll send live video footage once it's up and running. Oh, yeah, well, that's, I can't wait. That's going to be so, riveting. So we should. We also talked about early jobs that we had. Did you have any good early jobs that uh, German teacher? You want to share? <laughs> <laughs> there was rumor that you were almost my German teacher. This is true. Yeah. What What uh, what would be your best early job? When well, you were my first earliest job was working for my dad. So oh, yeah, yeah on the, at the construction company, mm. I'd have to go around the homes and pick up the little gutter trash spikes and, and stuff. spikes and nails and oh, things. That was my first job. job. Yeah. And you worked that's at a baseball a stadium. Part. That's not a bad job. I what, did work at a baseball, at a baseball stadium, baseball the stadium? local minor league baseball stadium. You're there in Indiana. You had good there? jobs. What did you? What oh, did, I had great jobs. What yeah. Did you, what did you do? I worked at the, I worked at the local <laughs> newspaper. I worked at the local newspaper. You did. What did you do there? Cleaning. I was gonna say she said cares. That's how she's. Lucas apparently delivered flowers on rollerblades. <laughs> is that accurate? Is that that accurate? I think those are two different jobs. <laughs> oh, well, combined whatever. together. You, you no, merge things together. I delivered alligators. No, the singing, the singing, the on the, rollerblades. The singing telegrams were what was on rollerblades. <laughs> so what did you? Uh, so what did you do at the uh, the the baseball stadium? Uh, well, worked in the concession stand, and okay. then I got upgraded to the beer garden after I turned twenty-one. All right. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. where you met Lucas. Right. Billy worked in a museum until he I was like thirty-two. With wax, with wax from the figures. time I was twelve, I volunteered from twelve to fourteen. Got a paid Dusting job at fourteen. People and I worked in the museum until I was about twenty-three. Right. I might have gone back like once or twice after that. Is this for, like, like Madame Tussauds? Is that what this is? Or <clears throat> this was a legit. It was the Rochester Museum and Science Center. There's a planetarium. It was legit. It was the full museum. We had all different exhibits and. I was the floor. I became the floor supervisor at one point, and another point, I ran the summer camps. I did everything wow. at that museum. So you weren't the night watchman, but it was not Madame Tussauds. It was like he did. He stayed overnight sometimes oh. with the boys. I did. I did. well, <laughs> we would like teach. We'd have like these sessions that I that would teach, and so I would spend the night in the museum. It was creepy. That was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I would think spending a night with you in a museum would be creepy. That'd be awful. <laughs> you the imagine kids these terrified. kids are traumatized. So I there's didn't... some kid in counseling right now being like, this guy was so weird. <laughs> he just watched me sleep. You thought the Boy Scouts had problems. <laughs> like, oh, I thought that was a wax person. I didn't realize it was one of the Boy so, Scouts. But then, but the, our favorite job that Billy had was the <laughs> 13 days at the at the pizza joint because 13 long they, days. They wouldn't let him. 13 they wouldn't days. Let him have the pizza. They wouldn't let him eat the pizza. They wouldn't let him eat the pizza. 13. I, I had dipped one too many chicken wings in the vat. I could not take it anymore. It was not I had fun. a job one time for two days. Actually, I think it was only one day. <laughs> this is a good one. I worked at a temporary agency during the day, and I would go to the baseball field at night. So I had two jobs over mm-hmm. the summer. And during the day, they set me up with some transportation company. And the, I got posted outside this the, the boss's office, and he would cuss and smoke cigarettes all day long. And it was so offensive. <laughs> I had to let my boss know. I'm like, I am not going back to that job. It's terrible. I thought you were going to tell about you, you working at Barnes & Noble. Oh, that one. She didn't realize. So, like, at the end of her shift, like, everybody, like, the store closes, and then they would start restocking books. And refacing the books. Mm -hmm. And Chrissy didn't know that she was supposed to stay for that, and so she would just leave every day. (laughs) 
when the store closed and didn't realize that like she's like, Why are you guys still here? So how did, you, job. how did you find the training? How did they you find out? That. How did you find out that, that it was supposed to be burning? I just assumed after a while when everybody was still working and I was leaving that I probably should stay, but I didn't anyway. <laughs> She I comes in in the going. morning, like piles of books are gone, everything's organized, and she didn't know how it happened. <laughs> so, what was the, what the was book the, fairs? What was it? You told us, Lucas, about what was the job that you said was one day? You oh, I worked at a, a car dealership That's and right, the uh, car dealership. left the windows, left the windows, the windows down. 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 Yeah. While the car was washed. The problem was the people that owned it were like family friends. <laughs> I still have not talked to them, I don't think. <laughs> This oh, hey, so speaking of... I ruined thing. a Dodge minivan. I mean, just <laughs> Don't let Lucas fool you. Most of his jobs he had before we were married. Right. After we've been married, this gal's the moneymaker right here. That's right. Yeah. Well, oh, you keep I him in line. It. He's yeah. completely incompetent without any help. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, Can't even do the lawn. Speaking Sits of, around yeah. reading books. I mean, think about how many books he's read this year. Oh, Let's I know. It's I, awful. It when do you think me. that happens? It while enrages while me you, how many books he's while read. You are hey, slaving away. While you are slaving away, he's reading books. I You're mowing cannot, the lawn. Every time I see that he's finished pond. another book, I literally roll my eyes. and I'm. It annoys It annoys me because I've read not even a chapter of a book in the last year, probably. I'm kind of oh, I'm kind of starting to get the vibe here, listening to Chrissy, is, is that perhaps, perhaps... Lucas had a ghostwriter on this book that he is touring. <laughs> no, I can verify that he wrote. He, he, at least he half. Did do that. Okay. So, yeah. um, so uh, speaking of your jobs, you guys recently moved your church buildings. Is that right? We are in the process of doing that. Yes. Last week, we totally converted the church building space into a daycare. So the the... Your old space is now a daycare, and your yes. and your new church is it? Are you renting a facility? Are you building new? Are you are you purchasing? It's like a it's like a hometown Dave and Buster's, if you know what that is. Uh-huh. Kind of like yeah. a local brand, like kid or adult, like Chuck E. Cheese kind yeah. of place. Yep, so yep. it's got axe throwing, uh, bowling, mm-hmm. laser tag, bocce ball, uh, you know, kind of this giant karaoke. beer, beer tap yeah. wall karaoke stuff. And so uh, they gave us an incredible deal of a dollar a month for us to serious? meet there on Sundays. Yes. Wow. So, and we were out of space where we were like kid space and starting to run an auditorium space really for, I mean, we probably should have done this a couple of years ago. We were just waiting for the opportunity. And so this place built brand new and um, uh, connected with one. I actually did a, a film. Uh, I did a commercial. My company produced a commercial for the, uh, the location. And while I was there touring it with the owner, She's like, hey, I, I heard you're a Christian or you're involved with a church. You'll appreciate this. I always had this vision that like a church would meet in this big like um, uh, food court area that we have. And I said, well, I got a church for sale. That's kind of interesting. We don't know where we're going to meet next. We put our building up for sale before we knew where we were going. Right. And uh, oh, she goes, oh, you're meeting here. She goes, we're going to do a dollar a month lease. I'm going to sign documents with you. So if I fall over dead, you can still meet here. You know, that so is she great. was just like. So and she fell through. Now your building, you said was you're for sale, but you've converted. Instead, did you take it off the market and you've just converted it into a daycare? Yeah, it's still getting navigated a okay. little bit. So yeah, but it's uh, it's currently uh, it's 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 going to be a daycare regardless of kind of how that goes down for uh, you know whatever deal happens for the next couple of years. Now I've been in Dave and Buster's. Now, is, did you say it is a Dave and Buster's or it's, it's like a, one? It's a local Hometown. brand, yeah, kind of like their own concept, but similar to a Dave okay, and Buster's. Okay, because because I've been to them on the East Coast and. 
I, I wouldn't imagine anywhere there that I would be able to fit a church. So this yeah, is this, obviously this kind of you're gonna stop that that you'd be able to fit. You know, I thought you, were gonna you stop just that. calm down over there, Shamu. <laughs> so. so they. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I just that's what I you thought. Couldn't help it. I think the best singer of the night was when you were saying that people had to toss water on Chris and he was walking around. <laughs> Disney wondering how Shamu got off the tank worried Flopping about around him. on the sidewalk. Um the uh yeah, so we're they have kind of a big food court area. It's a big building, it's thirty thousand some square feet. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. If you That's guys would awesome. ever come visit, awesome. I'd take you over. Well, I'd love it. I'm gonna come I'm gonna come visit. I'm going to <clears> I'm <throat> going to insist on sleeping in your backyard in a tent next to the pond. It's gonna be awesome. Oh, you would enjoy it. Oh yeah. yeah, it's really peaceful. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I just I I want pictures of the pond. Yes. <clears throat> when it's done, I do. Okay. And of Paul or Stan or whatever his name is. Who is what's his name? Doug. Doug. Dougie. 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 I'm right. so done with you people with this <laughs> Do you think people I, are still listening right now? No. I don't know. No. I, this if has they been are, a very long episode. It's Let's just be hour and th- It's an hour and 31 late. minutes and 36, 37, We've covered seconds. so much, though. We have. Yeah, we, we talked have. about descendants of Abraham Lincoln. We've talked about... The uh, the the uh, uh, Jason his book rescuer. That's right. We had a um, guest. I forgot about that. Um, I thought that was <laughs> Sorry, last Jason. week. That was like last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This episode's been so long. I think this has been. Ago. This has been a fun episode. If it anybody is still listening, they get Lucas's book for free. How about that? No, <laughs> I paid no, full kidding. retail. I, I am not give giving away a book. No, because Pedro and Kate. Yeah, Pedro and Kate are still listening. They listen like, to I got a free book. Uh, the, the only They're the only people. turd still still <laughs> the only and whoever's in Brazil, we can't ship to right. Brazil. I'm sorry. Right. And Mexico now, so that's good. Can we ship to Brazil? I don't think so. No. I bet we could. Is there a Portuguese Maybe. version of your book? Uh no, not yet. No, then I am working on the audiobook though. I'm Are you gonna do that in Portuguese? Ooh. That's a rough process. No. <laughs> do it in German. <laughs> yeah, the audiobook is harder than I thought it would be. It's awful. It is it's not it's not uh it's not an easy thing. No, it it takes like, like 11 to after, 30 hours. <laughs> yeah, after like 2 to 3 chapters like my voice is just done for the day. Yeah. And I'm like I can't do this. Are there parts more. you can have Chrissy do some voiceover stuff on? Yeah, it? she's she's pretty good at impersonations. Like like if there's different wine, like if, Chrissy, like if you're going to quote if you're going to quite quote somebody like if you've got like a Nancy Pelosi quote you could have her come in and do the Nancy Pelosi voice and that sort of thing. I That'd try not to listen to Nancy Pelosi ever. Yeah. Do you want to do some German for him to in the show? Like you've been listening. Thank you for listening to how, the church how, boys. Are you, are you like super fluent in in German? Pretty fluent. Mm-hmm. Right. Can you say Billy is a fatso in German? <laughs> oh, that would be very interesting <laughs> because that word translates a little bit. Uh, let's just say not so good in about- uh, English. <laughs> Just go with heifer. Just use the word heifer. <laughs> it's uh, you're gonna laugh this at this one. You're gonna have to edit this out. But no, no, wait, is, wait, wait, so wait, 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 wait. Do we really have to edit this? I'm not. Yeah, edit, I'm not going to edit anything. I'm not. <laughs> tell, going to tell them after the show. Okay, we'll tell you after the show. Can you say manatee? Can you say manatee in German? <laughs> no, that word I do not know. Oh, okay. There's no, there's really no water in sea Germany cow. to speak of, except for on the northern side. Why don't you give us thank you for listening cow. Cow. to the Church Boys? We'll see you next week. Why Amen. Everything in German, everything in German sounds so angry all the time. <laughs> 
you're stereotyping. That's not okay on this show. <laughs> it's the only thing we do on this show. <laughs> right? This show would be three minutes. <laughs> this was a real disaster, but it in really a good was. way tonight. It's just awful. <sighs> you know, I hate you all, except for Chris. The Church Boys. At the U.S. Capitol, I'm Kate Scanlon, EWTN News In Depth.